Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So, kind of a special uh, appearance today. We're, we're pretty excited, Ian and I, to welcome to the show. I don't want to say you're a new guy on the block, George, but uh, you are definitely new-ish, which, is, uh, which has definitely been good for those of us who are following the Denver Broncos training camp and preseason and all that good stuff. So, uh, Ian and I are pleased to welcome from the Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette. I'm not sure which direction we're going to go with that. but All George, of the above. All of the above. I like that. George Stoya. Uh, George has been a, a phenomenal follow on Twitter. It's at George Stoya uh, on Twitter. Follow him if you're not able to watch what's going on. Uh, we're going to get into it pretty quickly, but I, I wanted to say welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And and I definitely am a new kid on the block because I feel like I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. So I appreciate the uh, the kind words, but uh, I am still kind of trying to figure out uh, how to cover the NFL, especially the Broncos, who, like I said before we got on here, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, players on this roster. It's obviously a, a, a big season for a lot of guys, so I'm sure we'll get into it. But but yeah. Well, I, it, speaking for myself, you are one of the best followers on Broncos Twitter. So the the fact that you still feel like you're you're getting your feet wet is a testament to how good you are right now. So thank you for the great updates and and the great coverage at this point. 
Yeah, I just, uh, it's funny. Everybody has, I, I've had quite a few people kind of tell me that like, hey, thanks for the updates. I'm like, I'm just live tweeting practice. I'm just, you know, tweeting out what I see. So um, I, I don't know why maybe other people don't do that. But uh, I think that uh, obviously for people that can't be there, um, people have real jobs that they have to go to from nine to noon or whatever practices. I think that it's, it's uh, you know, usually helpful. Uh, though I may be distracting you from getting actual work done. So I apologize if that's the case. No, not a distraction at all. Um, I do, I do have to say this, Ian. I, I think it's kind of funny, George. You are, um, it's, you clearly are new because there is a certain amount of what's the word I'm looking for here, Ian. Uh, in the Denver sports media, there's not only is there a hierarchy, but there's also a bit of um, it's not animosity, uh, jaded, j- jaded uh, cynicism is is maybe the way I want to go with that. And, uh, and that's something that you haven't been around a lot long enough, George, to, to feel that. So that's good. Maybe that's why it's so refreshing to have somebody who's just, ha- just happy to be here. Right. I'm pumped. That's the thing is, is, and I mean, again, I don't want to like throw anyone under the bus. I, I, I've had a great time on the beat so far that everybody's been super kind to me, but there is people that, um, there are people that, you know, and I don't think it's just the Broncos, but people in, in journalism in general that complain about their jobs. I'm like, man, I get to wake up every day and go watch NFL football. It's like that. How can you beat that? That's a, that's a hell of a job. So uh, I, I am just happy to be here. There you go. Well, then that's that's if you're happy to be here, then that means you're doing it right. So uh, let's you know what? Let's jump in. Let's go ahead and, and, and get to some things. We just saw the Broncos play the Minnesota Vikings uh, in their first preseason game, a fun preseason game for those of us who have been begging for offense for the last six years, uh, because seven, maybe if you want to even include 2015 when they did win the Super Bowl. So we got to see some offense. And uh, I'm curious from your perspective, like when you watch, whether it's the preseason game or it's been practices that you've been at and those kinds of things, what have you noticed from the offense in general that has stood out to you that you think translated to what we saw against the Vikings on Saturday? Well, I think you have to start with, you know, the playmaking ability of, of guys like KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. I, I know that you guys have been following along with, with training camp and everything and everything that's come out of there. And every, you know, almost every single day, it's Jerry Judy's doing this, Jerry Judy's doing that. KJ Hamler's catching a long touchdown pass. And we saw all those things, uh, you know, briefly, I guess you would say uh, in the Vikings game, I think we would have all liked to see maybe Jerry Judy play a little bit more. Uh, not the Broncos, obviously they don't want him to get hurt, but uh, you know, KJ Hamler, his speed is something that I think we've seen a lot out at practice and uh, he finally got to showcase it. And he's a guy that really, I think that people don't recognize enough that last year he really wasn't that healthy at times. And when he's healthy, he adds a totally different element to this team that opens things up. Uh, and, and I think the other thing that you could even add on to that, that, that kind of opened up that 80 yard touchdown pass is the run game. Uh, you saw them on that first series able to run the ball with Javante Williams. And that's something that really we haven't seen in training camp because they don't do any tackling. And so it's hard to tell, are they actually like running the ball well, or are they just like, you know, marking them down early? Like it, it was hard to tell, especially for a guy like Javante, who, as we saw Saturday is an extremely physical running back, uh, a guy that likes to run people over, break tackles. And, and, you know, finally we got to see that in, in, in action because again, in practice, soon as the guys touch, they, they blow the play dead. And so it's like, okay, is the Bron- are the Broncos actually able to run the ball or, or what's going on? And so I think that was a positive to see. 
but I think overall the, the offense just looked crisp and uh, that's not something I, honestly I expected because we've seen them struggle a little bit in training camp. And I think part of the, you know, reason for that is I think the Broncos defense is really darn good. Uh, and I mean, we saw them sit out, I think almost every single starter in that Vikings game. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, who they maybe play this week, if they play any of those starters against, against Seattle on Saturday. Uh, but I think it was important to see, obviously both quarterbacks go out and play really well. Um, you know, maybe Drew had the edge. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people feel that way, myself included. Um, but I think it was also, you know, a validation that Jerry Judy's legit. Um, the dude is, is really good. And KJ Hamler uh, is a guy that could have really a breakout season uh, if he can, you know, stay healthy, which again has, has been a problem for him, um, you know, his first year in the NFL. You mentioned the quarterbacks. One thing that Adam and I do is we do a lot of it based on eye test. And Drew Locke looked the part against the Vikings. I get that he was going against backups. That's one thing that people will mention, but I, I refer to have you watched preseason football before? You're always going against backups. Um, but in your mind, how, how did Drew Locke do? And, and how, is, how did he look when you, do, when you compare it to the course of OTAs, mini camp, training camp, and then his first game action? And then we can get into Drew Locke going against, or the Teddy Bridgewater going against the Seahawks this week. You know, it's interesting because I thought, um, you know, going into the game that Teddy had a slight edge. Uh, I thought that he had maybe outplayed Drew and maybe not out outplayed might not be the right word. There was a lot of days where neither quarterback really, um, you know, you know, took the separation or, or, you know, whatever, you know, that they didn't really separate themselves in practice. And Teddy's a guy that is consistently steady. And so there's days that if Drew made a mistake, Teddy was just going to win by default. And so I think that was kind of like where my head at my head was at going into the game was that Teddy has a little bit of an edge. And I thought Drew came out and played great. I, I thought that uh, the best play of the day that he made was the third down throw to Jerry, where he had to sit in the pocket, go through his progressions. And he finds Judy wide open across the middle after Judy wasn't originally open. And he talked about that the other day, um, you know, at, at practice or after the game or what, whenever it was that we last talked to him. And I think that that's an important stepping stone for him, because if you look last year uh, and the way that he performed in some of those moments, maybe he only goes through his first or second read. And if he feels the pressure, he gets rid of the ball or he tries to scramble or he, he gets a sack and he fumbles or he, he forces a throw that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to make. And I thought that play alone. And again, I know it's a preseason game. And, you know, he's going up against backups, like you said, but for him to be able to recognize, to just sit in there uh, and deliver it to a guy like Judy, who ends up turning it into a 33 yard gain, I think showed a lot from Drew. Um, I thought that the pass to, to Judy in the, in the end zone, the slant, um, I know that one's been debated over and over. Uh, it could have been maybe a little bit better throw, um, but he still made the right read on that play. The other incompletion was to Judy just barely overthrew him. So I thought Drew played just about as good as you could have hoped. Uh, and, and I think we also saw, obviously, the play-action play. He's he's one of the best – I think last season he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league in terms of play-action plays. I think he was top 10 uh, in terms of yardage and, and completions last season when, when in the play-action. So um, I, I think they're going to lean on that a lot. And if they're able to run the ball like they were on Saturday – uh, obviously, that's going to open up a lot of things. But I think the thing with Drew and the reason why I think he's going to win 
the quarterback competition at the end of the day is he just provides so much more, right? Like the, the throw to Hamler, yes, Hamler was wide open and, and Teddy, I think, could have completed that pass and it would have been a touchdown. But to be able to hit him in stride like that, uh, there's not too many guys that can make that sort of throw, in my opinion. And again, the way that he can uh, put the ball in different places and push it downfield, I think that you have to go with a guy like that and, and really his athleticism. I, I think the guy can really scramble uh, when he needs to. And, and uh, we've seen him, you know, complete passes on the run and things like that. So I, I think that's, that's why I would start drew to start the season is he just gives you a little bit more. Whereas Teddy, again, I think is, he's a fine player. Uh, but I think that Teddy should be the emergency button quarterback. If, if things go South early in the season, you, you put Teddy in. That's an interesting perspective. I'm curious as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about the two quarterbacks, uh, there is something that keeps popping up in my mind. And you, you mentioned, you know, steady Teddy two gloves, right? He's very steady. Uh, Drew Locke, I think has, uh, that higher you know, factor of, you know, you know, big play factor where he's going to make some splash plays and those kinds of things. My curiosity sort of heads towards where do the other players see this going? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, you've got two guys in the quarterback room who have the ability to be the starters. I mean, this, that's what the franchise has decided that these are the two guys that are going to be the starters. One of them is going to win. Is there a sense that guys on the offense, not necessarily guys on the defense. I feel like defense is sort of its own animal, but are there guys on the offense that want one guy or the other? Does it feel like they're more inclined to be hyped up when, when Drew's out there or when Teddy's out there? Like, what's your sense of that? You know, they won't publicly come out and say that obviously. Um, But I do, I do think that there's a sense with a lot of the guys, at least that are returning, like guys like Jerry, um, KJ, Noah Fant, uh, those, those sort of guys that are obviously coming back and had, you know, good seasons last year, I get the sense that they're leaning towards drew. They'd rather have drew. And that's just a more comfortable, um, thing. I think because they obviously played a whole season with him last year, but also I think that they know that he can connect on bigger plays. Um, and that's not to say Teddy can't make the big play. We just haven't seen it a whole lot. Uh, and when you know that drew can throw it 80 yards down the field to KJ Hamler and hit him in stride. Uh, where if Teddy throws that ball, maybe KJ has to come back to it or whatever it is. Um, I think that, you know, most guys are going to lean towards that because they know, I, I think they also know, and I think a lot of people would agree with me on this is that if Teddy's the starting quarterback, I put the ceiling at this team at, I don't know, 10 wins, maybe right. Nine, 10 wins somewhere in there. Uh, the floor is probably higher, right? It's like maybe seven wins. I think with Teddy as the starting quarterback, if you put Drew in there, obviously it's a wider range, but I'd put the ceiling at maybe 12 wins uh, and maybe the floor is at five or six wins, right? If things go horribly wrong. Uh, and so I think the players realize that and I think they would say, all right, well, if we can get 12 wins, let's take that risk with Drew and hope that he makes the big step uh, and gets this team back to the playoffs. And let's say he wins, you know, 10, 11, 12 games. Um, you know, I think that that obviously is more favorable than, say nine, nine and eight and missing the playoffs. Right. Uh, so I, I think that that's where their mind is at. Again, I don't want to speak for them, but I get that sense that everybody in the building kind of knows that the ceiling is a little bit higher with drew in there. And maybe not even a little bit, maybe a lot higher with drew in there. Um, if, if he actually turns out to be the player that a lot of these guys hope he can be. In terms of this week, Bridgewater gets the chance to, respond and I think we all agree that Drew Locke has set the bar 
and Bridgewater is going to have to meet that. Do you think he can do it? And is Vic Fangio in line to perhaps name a starter after this game heading into the final preseason game? You know, I, I think Teddy for Teddy, look, he's not, he's just not a guy that's going to go out there on Saturday. In my opinion, he's not going to go out there and uh, throw for 150 yards on seven passes, sort of like what Drew did. Uh, and that's not to say Drew can do that every single week. Um, but I, I, I don't think he can hit that bar. I think he could have a really solid game just like he did this last week against Minnesota. I mean, seven for eight, 74 yards and one touchdown. That's not a bad performance. I think we're, we're underselling that a little bit. I, I think that's honestly a really good performance for him. If he goes out and does the exact same thing this week, then his hope, if he wants to win the quarterback battle, is Drew makes a mistake. And really, in my opinion, that's been the whole argument this entire quarterback battle is, you know, we know what we're going to get with Teddy, right? Like everybody knows what Teddy can do and what he can't do. Uh, the, the thing is, is what's Drew going to do? Is Drew going to become the more consistent quarterback, not turn the ball over uh, and, and, you know, make the big play that everybody thinks he can make? Uh, and so I think if Teddy wants to win this battle, I don't know if it's I don't want to say it's out of his hands because he can go out there and have, you know, go 10 for 10 and throw a couple touchdowns. And obviously that would be great. And I could see him doing that. Um, but I think if he's going to win, Drew needs to make some mistakes. Uh, I really do. I think if Drew goes out and throws an interception or has a fumble or something like that, then all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where um, it's even back up or, you know, maybe even Teddy takes the lead back, uh, things like that. And what's really going to be interesting is how they, they play uh, the first team guys, because if, you know, Teddy goes out there and he gets the entire starting first team offensive line and, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Hamler and maybe Tim Patrick comes back from injury. Like, let's say he gets the entire first team offense. Well, then, you know, that's a little bit, you know, uh, unfair to Drew, who didn't really get that last week. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they play that out and how many snaps they get. Again, I know that I think Drew got a couple more last week, um, but, you know, Teddy threw the ball more. So I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this week. But uh, I think that Really, we already know what we're going to get from Teddy, no matter what. Uh, it's more about can Drew build – if Drew goes out there and does exactly what he did last week, it's his job, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if that's how the coaching staff feels because I have no idea what the coaching staff feels because they don't say anything about how they feel about it, uh, except for that it's even Steven when it is clearly clearly not some days. But, um, you know, in my opinion, if Drew just replicates what he does last week and doesn't make any mistakes, it's his job. So I, I have another sort of feel question. I know these feel questions are tricky because it's, you know, we're asking you your opinion about how you feel about something, but I, I get the sense that, and just like you said, the, the floor is, is higher with Teddy, whereas the ceiling is higher with Drew. Uh, and I, I feel like I had that conversation last year where I, I talked about, you know, the Broncos floor is three wins and their ceiling is 12 wins. That's kind of where I was at with them last year. And they really tried to hit that floor for me, which I did not like, but do you think the coaching staff would prefer to be to be able to pick Teddy? Like, and and I don't mean that in a, in a, a negative way, but I sometimes get the sense that in the NFL, coaches are more inclined to go with the safe play. Is Teddy that safe play that that maybe makes Vic Fangio a little more comfortable or Pat Shermer a little more comfortable? Whereas if I'm you know, you know, as a fan, I would rather, you know, kind of like the players, I'd rather take the the guy that's going to give me the bigger chance. That's going to, because it's not my money anyway, but is there a sense that maybe even 
the you know the Broncos coaches would like to do a, a safe play there, but they really can't because you know that Drew's out there proving that he could take this job. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a an extremely good point. And the other thing that you have to consider, and and you you sort of touched on it there, is is Vic is going into his third and final year of his contract. Right? This is this is a big season for him. He needs he needs to have a winning season, in my opinion, to probably keep his job. And he knows that um, he has a great defense. Right? I mean, this defense is legit. It's it's probably a top five, you know, definitely a top ten defense. And he, being a defensive guy. Uh, knows that he can rely on his defense to win games. And if that's the case, right, you would think you'd just pick Teddy and say, okay, Teddy, uh, you know, just don't turn the ball over, uh, which, you know, we've seen he, he had some turnover issues last year. I think people forget that. Um, you know, we always talk about Teddy being the less turnover guy. That, that's not necessarily true. But, you know, I think that I think you have a, a good point in the sense that, um, you know, he is the safe pick. And that's why it wouldn't shock me if, let's say, they go out on Saturday and they have the exact same performances they did this last Saturday. They still pick Teddy, even though a lot of people I think would be wanting for would be wanting Drew. Uh, is because Vic's seen Drew play an entire season, right? He's seen the ups and downs that goes with Drew and how it can cost them a game. Um, you know, whereas this year I think he feels really comfortable with his defense. And if Teddy can just come in and throw, I don't know. 18 touchdown passes this year to 18 to 20 touchdown passes and you know maybe only 10 interceptions or nine or eight interceptions or something like that which again are not good stats but with that kind of defense how many games does that win you I mean with this schedule uh, and the teams that they're playing especially early in the year um, that could win you nine or ten games and maybe get you to the playoffs but again I think what they should probably also look at and it I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm an NFL coach and I know what I'm talking about. They clearly are keeping different stats and looking at things and watching film every single day of these plays that we only get to see once. But if I'm their staff, I'm, I'm probably looking at this and saying, you know what? I, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, roll the dice a little bit. And I think that drew again, gives you that higher upside of, of, you know, not just winning nine games, but maybe you can win 11. And to me, I, I take that risk, you know, nine times out of 10. And, and, and again, I, I think that the way that you could look at it too, from a coach's perspective is they have such an easy schedule, in my opinion, to start the season, you know, playing the giants. I think they should win that game. Uh, obviously they play what Jacksonville next, they should win that game. Uh, and then they play the jets at home. They should win that game. They should start the season three and oh, now let's say they go out and they lose the first game. You can always switch and go back to Teddy. And you know exactly what you're going to get with them. And that's that's the way I look at it is let's risk it early. And if we drop one of those early games or we drop two of those early games, we can always go back to Teddy and rely on him to get us to eight or nine games and, um, you know, get Vic to a, a, a fourth season. Because I, I think Vic's a good coach. And um, I think some of the things that, you know, has happened the last couple of years are all on him in terms of the wins and losses. So, um that's the way I would look at it as the coach. But again, I have no idea. I think that there's, I think they really truly think it is even Steven. Um, and, but I also do think in the back of their head, they kind of have a feeling of which way they're going to go. But this Saturday, I think we'll, I think we'll have a starting quarterback next Monday. I think they're going to name it after this week. And I really do. We'll they, they need to, the to. Defense. they really need okay. to. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. That's fine. I will get to the defense, but you, you touched on Javante Williams, and I think a lot of Broncos fans are excited. They, I mean, I've referenced the tweet from Josina Anderson on the day Friday 
before day two of the draft, before he was even taken. And there was a, an NFL person who was comparing him to the likes of Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb and all that. And for the first time, they saw Javante Williams in a Broncos uniform. How good could he be, especially if the offensive line is able to do what it did against the Vikings? Now, again, they didn't have all their de- defensive line starters, the Vikings, that is. But if they're able to get a running game and he's able to even look like he did in his first preseason game, how much of a difference could that be for whoever the quarterback is? I think it's huge. And I think what we saw on Saturday is just an indication that uh, the possibility that this is Melvin Gordon's last year in Denver has has gone increasingly up. And I think it was already kind of there uh, when they drafted Javante. But this this dude is is definitely the future of that position for the Broncos. And uh, he's a guy that if Melvin's not healthy, which right now, you know, he, he sat out the last few practices, didn't play in Saturday's game. Uh, and I, I, I bet he doesn't play this week either. But, um, you know, he's a guy that he could rush for 800 to 1,000 yards in his rookie season. Um, and, and like you said, if they're able to do that, um, you know, that obviously helps the quarterback out a ton. Um, and I think they're going to rely on their run game, no matter who the guy is. I, I really do. I think that we've seen that a lot in training camp. They're running the ball. If they run three plays, two of them are run plays every single day in practice. Um, so that's been obviously hard to evaluate the quarterback sometimes because they don't throw the ball a whole lot. But I think that also gives us an indication that they're going to run the ball a ton. And, the, you know, it's interesting that Mike Boone going down in, in Minnesota, uh, I think was, was sort of a big deal because if let's say Mike Boone doesn't get hurt. And, you know, he's looked like a reliable backup running back, a, a guy that's probably better than a third string running back. And we go, you know, they go into the season and maybe somebody calls about Melvin Gordon and, and winning a trade. I think that that could have seriously happened. Um, now, obviously, with, with Boone being out, uh, the depth there, obviously, you know, goes down and you don't want to have just one guy. And, and even though Javante, I think, could do that. Um, you, you want a reliable guy that can be in that rotation. And, and we've seen that with, with Shermer's offenses in the past, but um, you know, I, I think that was a real thing is that they feel that confident in Javante that he could be the number one guy, Boone be the backup. And maybe you do trade a guy like Gordon. If, if the thing, if the, you know, the season goes South and you can trade him to a contender and get a pickback or, or whatever it may be. I think that was something that, that seriously could have happened. Um, but uh, you know, I think Javante, Again, Javante is the future at the position. Um, I think he reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb, a guy that you mentioned, and I know a lot of other people have just his running style. He hits the hole hard. Um, They're running him a lot between the tackles. He's also been able to catch the ball really well, which he did at North Carolina. Um, And that's something that I think that they really want to utilize him as is is a running back out of the backfield that they can throw to. And, you know, he can break some tackles and get some yards on maybe a short yardage situation or something like that. They've been running a lot of screens in practice as well, um, especially with Javante. So, again, he's a guy that can kind of do it all for them. And and he gives them I I like the way that they have their three running backs. Right. Like the Melvin is kind of a. I don't know, do it all type running back. He's, you know, he, he's physical, but not that physical He's fast, but not that fast. You know, he's, he's just a, a good running back. Right. Then you have Javante, who's just super physical. will run you over. And then you have Mike Boone, who again, I know is hurt, but man, he gives them a totally different pace at running back. I mean, that dude could just fly. So um, I re- I think they really feel really confident in their running back room. And, and I think we kind of saw that on Saturday. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see them, you know, run the ball a lot. Nice. I like that. So when you're talking about running the football, I want to stick on the offensive side of the ball just a little bit here, uh, just because there has been some discussion, I think, 
you know, especially between, you know, MHR staff, but also I've seen it on Twitter, the situation with the offensive line, there's questions at center. There's questions about what do you do? Uh, you know, if Lloyd Cushenberry doesn't work out, you know, it seems that they like Nitan Muti, uh, you know, Nitan Muti is a, is a big, scary looking dude and he's very strong. And, and I think they want to get him some play, but is there, is the offensive line, is it, is it actually almost a, like we've been talking about it on the podcast here as a, as a strength, a potential strength of this team. And it almost feels like we've gotten to a point where we're, we're not talking about it as a strength right now. And I'm, I'm curious if that's something that you're getting a sense of, um, or when, when you are at practice, do you see issues with the offensive line that, that might need to be addressed? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You asked that because I, you know, last Wednesday at the joint practices, uh, they struggled tremendously. I mean, they had several penalties, uh, gave up multiple sacks, lots of snap issues, especially with minors, which is which is going to happen with him being a rookie and having never played that position other than at the senior bowl. Um, but then they came out and played pretty well on Thursday at the joint practice. And I asked, you know, Coach Shermer after after practice, I just said, hey, you know, it looked like you guys struggled yesterday. How'd you guys bounce back today? And he goes, well, I didn't think we struggled. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, I, what practice were you watching? Because I, you know, I thought that was a, a real issue. But I, I do think it'll end up being a strength. I think the biggest thing right now is they have had some rotation up there in the front and they're kind of getting used to each other. I think Garrett Bowles, you know, looks as good as he has. You know, he kind of had a rough day today, actually, at practice. But, um, you know, he's, he, you know, he's going up against Bradley Chubb every day, which is going to make you a lot better. Um, I think Lloyd Cushenberry is a guy that, is not getting enough praise for how good he's looked, you know, th- this, this training camp, uh, you know, it seemed like when they drafted Quinn Miners, that was going to be a true battle at center. It has not been. And, you know, the coaching staff is, is still saying that he's kind of battling for that spot. Quinn Miners has not taken one snap with the first team, at least that I've charted in training camp. And so I, and at center that is, uh, but you know, so I think Lloyd is playing really well. He's put on about 10 pounds of muscle, um, you know, which I know has been circulating the past few days, but, you know, he's looked really good. Um, Graham Glasgow, you know, he's the one guard that obviously has a lot of, um, you know, experience and, you know, he's had some rough times here in camp, but I think he's, he's doing fine. And, and then you, you look at that right tackle spot and um, you know, I know they keep saying it's a competition and, and it is, and they've rotated there with, with Calvin Anderson and, and Bobby Massey, but I truly believe that's Bobby Massey's job to lose. And I think we've seen that. Uh, with the way that they rotated it. And and I, that's not anything against Calvin. I think that Calvin's had a nice camp, but I think that in a perfect scenario, perfect world, the Broncos want Calvin Anderson to be that swing backup tackle because there's not too many guys. I don't think people realize there's not too many guys that could just flip right to left and do it as often as Calvin's doing it in practice. I mean, every single day he's rotating from right to left tackle, which is an extremely hard thing to do. And so to have a guy that could do that, uh, I think you save him as your backup. And, and we saw last year he come in, you know, for bowls in that Panthers game and played extremely well at left tackle. And so, uh, you know, I think that in, in a perfect world, that's what they want. And, and the one guy I didn't bring up is Dalton Reisner, who, you know, we, you know what you're going to get out of him. But you look at the, the, the depth there. Uh, that's something that I don't think they've they've necessarily had. I just mentioned Anderson at the two tackle spots. But but you mentioned Moody, who's obviously had, he's had a fantastic camp. I actually wrote a little bit about him today and, and the guys talking about how physically uh, gifted he is in terms of just mauling guys. I mean, he looks great. I thought I went back and watched the, the game on Saturday and he looked fantastic, you know, starting at left guard uh, for the Broncos. And he's also a guy that can play left or right guard. And the thing we saw today was uh, Miners and and Moody both got reps with the first team. 
uh, in the two minute drill uh, at the end of practice today. So, which tells me that um, not that Reisner or Glasgow's jobs are, are up in the air, uh, but they feel comfortable with both those guys getting first team reps. And, you know, clearly they know that, you know, that could be a situation where someone gets injured and goes down and they feel good with those guys. So I think it can be right now. Is it a strength? I wouldn't say so. I think it is in the running game. I think they need to work a little bit on their pass protection. They've given up quite a bit of sacks uh, in practice. And, um, you know, I, didn't, I don't think they gave up any in the game on Saturday, which is a good indication, but, um, but they did in, in, in the practices. So I, I think it can be, just not right now. Uh, but I do think they really like their depth there, and I don't think that's something that they felt too comfortable with last season. How good can this defense be? I, I think it can be the best in the league. Uh, that simple. I really do. Uh, you, you look at across the board, it, it, it's so hard to find a hole in the defense, right? That's where like uh, the one thing I, I've told people over and over is Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell have just kind of gotten thrown under the bus. If you go back and you watch their, their season last year and you look at their statistics, they had good seasons, right? Were they great? No. Were they the best linebackers in the NFL? No, but they were, they were above average inside linebacker people are just throwing them under the bus because you look at the defensive line you look at the outside linebackers you look at the corners and the safeties and all the depth they have back there in the secondary and you're like well i guess if we have to pick a spot we'll pick inside linebacker and it's like the inside linebacker yeah they're they're struggling in terms of depth right now and they got baron browning back today which is a great a great sign for them there but uh really when you look at the defense as a whole, there's not a whole lot of weaknesses. And I think that starts up front. Uh, obviously, if Vaughn could be the player or even 80% of the player he used to be, um, I, you know, he's great. You got Bradley Chubb on the other side. He's coming off a Pro Bowl season. If he can stay healthy, um, you know, I think he's looking at a 10 plus, you know, sack season. And then even the guys behind those two guys at, you know, Jonathan Cooper, who's been one of the most impressive rookies so far in camp, in my opinion, uh, Malik Reed, who, statistically had the best season at that position last year for the Broncos. Uh, and then you look at, you know, defensive line, Shelby Harris coming back. Uh, Draymond Jones has looked fantastic in camp. Uh, McTelvin Ajim, who like didn't even play last year for them. Uh, looks like he could be a starter for an NFL team. Uh, Deshaun Williams, Mike Purcell, um, you know, the list goes on and on up front. And then you go to linebacker. And like I said, you know, the, the, there's the depth issues there, but I think they feel comfortable with obviously Josie Jewell and, and Alexander Johnson, Justin Stranod, I think looks really good in camp. He's still making some, you know, mistakes, but that's going to happen with him, you know, having not really seen the field a whole lot. And then the secondary, which is maybe the strength of the entire team, right? Um, you look at Kyle Fuller, uh, Ronald Darby has looked like their best corner, in my opinion, this entire camp. Um, Bryce Callahan's a guy that, would start at outside corner, be your shutdown corner for a lot of different teams. And he's the third guy on this roster. Uh, Pat Sertan, who's, I mean, I don't even consider him a rookie anymore. Like people ask me like, what rookie stands out? And I always forget Sertan. Cause I'm like, he, he, he doesn't even register in my mind as a rookie anymore. I mean, the dude is, is that good. I think he's a future all pro at that position. Uh, and he's, he's their fourth guy. Uh, that's insane. Michael Ojemudia is their is their fifth guy. And he was their starting corner last year for a lot of games. Um, you know, so I, I, and then, you know, on the back end, you have Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, who were two of the most, you know, savvy players back there at safety. And even behind him, PJ Locke, who, uh, man, I thought he might've had the, the best game of anybody uh, against the Vikings and, and Caden Stearns, who another rookie who's just having an outstanding camp. So 
I mean, you ask me how good can they be? I, I see. And I, again, I, I haven't seen every defense in the NFL, but just in terms of talent, top to bottom at every single position, there's no reason they shouldn't be a top five defense in the NFL. They just, the biggest thing for them and, you know, Vix brought it up and it was an issue last year. It's just, they got to create more takeaways. And I think when you have guys like Darby and Fuller, um, you know, out there at corner, I think that that those things are going to happen. We saw Sertan obviously with the pick, I, I think, you know, if, if, again, if Vaughn and Bradley can stay healthy, that, that pass rush off the edge is going to create more turnovers. So I think those turnovers will come this season uh, when you look at the pass rush and then also the guys out there, you know, at corner. Yeah. You, you brought up a really good point. And I, and Ian and I have been talking about this for a few weeks now, cause we were talking about the defense and turnovers and I looked it up and the Broncos had hadn't scored a, a defensive touchdown in, in, uh, in 2020, not one defensive touchdown. Wow. So uh, that is, that is a big, a big area where they can, if they can get some scores on defense and we've talked about the offense a lot being, maybe not as consistent. We're not really sure what that's going to be, but if the defense can do what we, we believe it can do. And then you saw PS two on uh, you know, and in, in his first preseason game, take one to the house. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm in on that as well. Is there, you mentioned a couple of guys and I'm curious, is there anyone in particular that is under the radar, maybe not a starter, but somebody who you look at as going to be uh, an integral part of, of the either you know, the secondary linebackers, I don't, I don't care, somebody on the defense who maybe we're missing. Uh, and, and I think you may have mentioned a couple of guys who, who could be on that list, but someone who's really standing out to you that just isn't getting the same, you know, because he's not a first-round pick or he's not, you know, he's not a frontline starter as of right now. Somebody like that that maybe is, is going gonna, is gonna to surprise people this season. Man, there's, there's a few. Um, you know, I think Ajim is a guy that, you know, he's been hurt the last week or so, and he, he returned to practice this week, and hopefully he gets to play on Saturday. He kind of kicked on a practice, and he's off so good. He's phenomenal. Like, I was like, he might be starting position up front. Uh, he looked that good. And, you know, I think that that's important for depth up there because, as, as we know, defensive line is an incredibly tough uh, position to play in terms of, you know, injuries and, and you're always in the trenches and things like that. So he's definitely a guy that I'm, I'm eager to watch, you know, this, this preseason. Um, you know, I think Jonathan Cooper is another name I mentioned that he had a great day today. I mean, he must've had, I want to say at least two, maybe three sacks in practice today, uh, which is quite a bit when, you know, there's really, you know, only two or three t- full team periods and for him to come out and do that. And he's going against, you know, the second team most days. And so he's, you know, he's beating a guy like Calvin Anderson or Cameron Fleming, who, you know, Cameron Fleming hasn't had a, a hasn't had a great camp, but he is a veteran in the league. Um, and so for him to, to do that, and, you know, he's even got some first team reps here, you know, recently going up against a guy like Garrett Bowles, and, and that's only going to make you better. So I, I think those two guys obviously stand out. I'm trying to think of someone in the secondary. I, I think a guy that, and, and I mentioned him and, you know, I, I, everybody knows about him, but Ojemudia, I think people underrate, you know, how good he was at times last year for the Broncos. And I know that, uh, you know, he was a third round pick rookie and he had some mistakes here and there uh, throughout the season, but, you know, he's looked really good in camp and I thought he played really well against the Vikings too on Saturday. And so he's a guy that, and, and as we all know from last season, injuries are going to happen back there. And if a Bryce Callahan goes down or Sertan goes down or Fuller or Darby, whoever goes down, I feel like they feel 
pretty confident that Ojemudia can step right in and play any of those positions. I mean, he's been playing, you know, on the second team uh, out there at, at corner. And then, you know, on the, on the first team, he's playing a lot of dime, um, you know, behind Sertan. So I think that's a guy that people aren't talking enough about just because they brought in all these other guys. I think he's still going to see the field. Uh, he's a guy that's probably going to be a lot on special teams. Uh, and so I think he's one to watch, uh, you know, Caden Stearns is everybody's talking about him. So I don't, I don't know if he really counts, but I think the other one um, is PJ Locke, who really hasn't done a ton, a, a ton in his career. I think he's in his second season now um, and hasn't played a lot, but man, he's looked really solid and it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys they take in that secondary. Cause I think last year they took, I want to say six corners on the original 53 man roster and only three safeties. And if they do that again, this season, you know, who are you looking at at safety? I mean, are you going to take the rookie and Caden Stearns? Are you going to take PJ Locke? who's obviously played great. You're going to take both and take four and maybe you only take five corners. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, but that's a good problem to have, right? Like I'm listing all these guys and it's like Jonathan Cooper, even like they only took three outside linebackers. And right now that would be Vaughn Bradley and Malik Reed. And if, you know, if that's the case, does Jonathan Cooper just go to the practice squad, even though he's had a great camp and looks like a real contributor. And even Andre, Andre Mintz, who uh, undrafted rookie out of Vanderbilt, who, you know, had a sack against the Vikings. He's a guy that's competing for one of those spots. And so it's, it's, I mean, you look across the board, there's so many guys that, um, you know, have stood out in practice that honestly may not even get to see the field a whole lot uh, just because of the depth they have. The one thing that that depth could lead to is an improvement at special teams, which has been a problem for this team since, I guess, the Super Bowl year. What I mean, and it's hard to tell over the course of training camp and practice because just like the running game, you can't really tell with special teams because they're not going 100 full speed. Is that an area that could be improved because of this depth? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's, you know, George Payton talked about it a lot at the draft is – you know, some of the guys they took were specifically for special teams. You think of a guy like Seth Williams, um, you know, at wide receiver who, you know, he's had, he's had a nice camp, but let's be honest, he's probably not going to find a whole lot of playing time uh, in the receiving group right now with uh, Judy and, and Patrick and Sutton and Hamler and you know, Trinity Benson, Tyree Cleveland, all these guys uh, they have there. Seth Williams is, is kind of going to get lost in the shuffle there. And so he's a guy that uh, we've seen on punt team. We've seen on kickoff. Uh, you know, I think that you also look at Jamar Johnson, uh, you know, the other safety that they took in the fifth round. I think he's he's a guy that you could see on special teams, Kerry Vincent. Um, and so all that plays in that Ojemudia. I mean, Ojemudia is going from, you know, uh, you know, being a starting corner to maybe being the, the guy, the gunner on punt. Right. And, um, you know, I think that's a big upgrade from, you know, maybe who they had last year at, at punt. And, and I think the, the, the one to, to really watch on special teams and what they do there is that return, because I think they're really trying to find someone. Um, and it's not to say Deontay Spencer is a bad player. I think he's a great return guy, but he, ha he doesn't really offer a whole lot on offense. And so that's why I think we've seen them, you know, have Hamler back there returning punts and, and kickoffs. And it, it, I think in a perfect world, uh, they would have Hamler be that guy, but they also know that Hamler has had some injury issues in the past. Same with Trinity Benson, right? We've seen Trinity Benson, um, you know, be really the, the guy that no one thought about this entire off season. And, and all, all of a sudden he comes in here and he's fighting for a roster spot and it looks like he should make it. Um, but to do that, he's going to have to play a lot of special teams. And uh, I think that's all, that's all good because that, that makes uh, the special teams unit a lot better when you have guys like that, that 
um, are competing for other positions, you know, on offense or defense and, you know, they could be starters on special teams. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, that all plays into that. Um, so, I, I, but again, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do back there with return because Spencer has been hurt. Um, you know, he hasn't practiced a ton and, and you have a guy like Hamler who we've all seen is just an electric football player and you put him back there. I think they'd feel really comfortable. Same with Trinity Benson. We've seen him, you know, return a lot of kicks. Kendall Hinton is another guy that we've seen, you know, returning kicks. And um, so it, it'll all be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think we're going to learn a lot here again this week against, you know, Seattle. And, um, you know, after that, I think they'll kind of have an idea of, of where they're going to go with, with the 53 man roster. So I did want to ask because it was a cut day today. There were uh, a few guys cut. Um, looks like uh, Rogestraman Ferris, Peter Columbayi, uh, Lorenzo Neal Jr., uh, Devontrez Dukes, and uh, Levante Bellamy, and, and also Dion Sizer. Of that list, was there anybody that surprised you that they got cut? Or does it kind of feel like that was sort of inevitable? Not, you know, I hate to say that. These, these are guys' careers, but were these guys that were probably on the way out? You know, if you had to, if I had to pick two, um, it'd probably be Dukes and Ferris and Dukes, not as much just because, you know, Duke, Dukes was having a good camp and he, he really had his best practice of all of camp was on Wednesday when he got hurt um, in Minnesota. And so, you know, I think him was just a product of him getting hurt. And again, that wide receiver room is just, it's just deep right now. Uh, and they, I think they have a good feeling of, of who are going to be their guys there. Uh, Ferris was the one that I didn't think he was going to make the 53 man roster, but I'm not sure what else he could have done to, uh, stick around any longer because he, I mean, his first two days of practice, he had an interception both days. Um, and that doesn't just happen. I, I, you know, one of the balls was maybe a bad pass or whatever, but, um, you know, having two interceptions on your first two days is pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I haven't, I didn't really, you know, watch him too much in the, in the game, you know, Saturday against the Vikings, maybe he had a rough outing, but if he did, I, I didn't notice it. Um, so he's one guy that, you know, maybe I was, I, and again, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but when you look at some of the other guys in that DB room, I just thought there was a couple other guys that would have been on that chopping block first before him. That's not to say, again, I don't think Ferris was going to make the team. I thought he was maybe a practice squad contender uh, more so than a 53 man roster guy. But, um, you know, I would say if you if you had to guess, those were the two. But I think also it was interesting that they did, you know, three guys that are, are injured, um, you know, Bellamy, Dukes and who's the other one? Deion Sizer, um, you know, all three of those guys. It just makes sense in the turn in, in the sense of, you know, you just kind of wave the guys that are injured and haven't been able to practice. And maybe those injuries are more serious than we realized and they weren't going to get back on the practice field. And so they're like, okay, let's just move forward with the other guys. But, um, you know, Ferris was the one that I was a little bit surprised on, but other than that, not really, it'll be interesting to see. It, it is interesting that it's only five. I think it used to be 10. Um, and so I was trying to, you know, wonder who would be the next five, uh, which I think we'll find out, you know, a week from today. Where have the struggles been? And uh, I bring that up because I've mentioned this to Adam as a writer, when I was first starting out, I had an editor tell me whenever I did a feature story, it's great that we have all the good, but where's the bad, where's the struggle. So where has this team struggled in your mind, at least through the, through OTAs, through mini camp training camp. Situational football. Um, and what I mean by that is, and we didn't get to see a whole lot of it in the game on Saturday because it was just a blowout. And, and, and again, it's a preseason game. So there's not, 
there's, there's no situation in preseason football where the starting quarterback has to go down the field in two minutes and score a touchdown to win the game or get him in field goal position to win the game. Right. That's not something you could replicate until you get to the season and week four, week, week five, whatever. Right. And we, we, we've seen them try to do that in practice and neither quarterback has been able to sex successfully. And at least from what I've charted successfully lead that two minute drive or one minute drive uh, to get down the field and score. And, and they do that about once or twice a week. They'll do that situation where it's, two minutes left and one of the quarterbacks has to go down the field with the first team offense against the first team defense. Uh, and maybe that speaks a lot to the defense, right? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to discredit the defense, but that's something that I think that a lot of people have been wanting to see as, as well as drew and Teddy played the other day. Uh, we didn't get to see them in that sort of a situation. Can they go down and win a football game? And I think it's interesting. You know, I, I asked George Payton, um, you know, a week ago when he spoke in Minnesota about his comments and, about franchise quarterbacks versus franchise cornerbacks. And I then I followed up and I said, well, what's your definition of a franchise quarterback? And he said, someone that can go win you a game, uh, no matter the personnel, you know, no matter offensive line, wide receiver, whatever. And in my head, I'm like, well, I don't think they know if they have that guy yet. I, I think Teddy, we've seen enough to say he's probably not a guy that can do that. I think maybe every once in a while he can maybe go do that. If a guy makes a big play for him, uh, he's not, but he's, you know, typically not been a guy that can go down and win a football game on his own. Drew, I don't think we've, we've seen enough to say he can't go do that. Um, but so far in practice, that's been the biggest issue that I've seen. And we saw it today in practice too. They, they did a one minute drill, 52 seconds left, start at the 50 yard line. Uh, and they had to go down and score. And Teddy was the quarterback and they, they completed two passes. And then he threw three, three straight incompletions. They had to kick a 50 yard field goal, uh, which, you know, I don't know what the score was in that scenario. Maybe you win with the field goal, but I think they would have liked to get a little bit closer than like the 40 yard line. Right. Uh, so to me, that wasn't a success. Then at the end of practice, Drew gets a similar scenario, but it's two minutes left. Uh, they start at their own 30 and they're down seven. So they have to go score. Well, they get down to about the 25 yard line. He gets sacked and that's the end of practice. And it's like, well, you know, that, that wasn't good. Right. Like, so that's, that's what keeps happening with these situational football drills that they, they have in practice. That's the area that I would say, um, other than that, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of flaws on defense. Um, and I don't know if that's a, you know, a product of the quarterbacks, you know, not being good at some days, uh, or the defense being really good some days. Uh, but if I were to pick one thing, it's, it's definitely situational football. They've also struggled in the red zone at times. Um, there's been, you know, multiple, drills will they'll, they'll do either seven on seven or 11 on 11 in red zone. And, you know, either Drew or Teddy have, have both had problems with just finding a guy open and either taking a sack or scrambling or just throwing the ball away. Um, so you'd like to see that get better, but again, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell because you'd think they'd be able to run the ball uh, down there and, and just get in the end zone that way. But uh, if you were to make me pick that, it'd definitely be situational football, which again, we, we really won't be able to tell if, if they're, if they're that bad at it until, we see it in a real game and um, you know, they have to go down the field to beat the giants or whatever it is. Um, but, but I think that's the one area that I would say they've struggled. I just keep thinking about uh, the drive Ian. There's a, <laughs> there's a, you know, we, we as Broncos fans have been so spoiled with, with what you call situational football, knowing you've got to score with two minutes to go, give the ball to Elway on the one with, with two minutes to go, the game is over and, and the Broncos have won because that's, just what you would expect from John Elway. And now to hear you, you know, talk about that with, with these guys and how it's not quite there. That's uh, <laughs> sorry. It just keeps popping. I'm like 47 fourth quarter comebacks. Yeah. I mean, 
Oh, we've fallen rather far, but you know, that could change, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound um, negative, so to speak, I, but, and again, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to the defense. We've seen, I mean, I think Justin Simmons has, I want to say three or four interceptions in practice now, and at least two of them have come at the goal line in these situational football things, which is a great sign for Justin Simmons, right? Like, you know, you, you trust that they can come up with a stop to in the game. Like we saw last year against the dolphins at home. Um, you know, that that's great. But I, I think that if you're viewing it from a quarterback competition perspective, which a lot of people are, I think that's the one area that you would circle like, well, neither guy has been very good in that situation. In terms of Saturday against the Seahawks, will we see any of the starters or more of the starters at least get some action? Because I, I think a lot of people are viewing this like the, the dress rehearsal since I almost no one is going to play that third preseason game. So will Vic give the starters at least a little bit of game action on Saturday? I think so. I, I think that that's the way he's leaning. And again, he won't commit to saying that uh, publicly. I think he's been asked twice this week already about how many guys will play. Um, but I think in his preferred situation, he would have guys like Vaughn Miller, who's come out and said that he wants to play now Vaughn just had a kid. So I don't know if he'll even travel to Seattle, but, um, you know, guys like that, uh, Bradley Chubb, Garrett Bowles, uh, Cortland Sutton. I think they really want to get Cortland Sutton out there for, you know, a few snaps. Um, you know, we saw Judy play, but I think Sutton with his injury, they, they really want to get him out there and see what he can do. Um, so yeah, I, I do think so. And that's what's going to be interesting is um, how much they play. And does does Drew get a series with the ones too, right? Do they do they maybe flip the way that they did the rotation in the sense that maybe Teddy goes out and gets the first drive, but then Drew gets in and, and gets a drive with the ones as well? Because otherwise it's sort of an unfair uh, advantage in my mind, even though, you know, I guess Teddy basically went with the second and third string this last week. But, um, you know, I, I do think we'll see that just because, Again, there's so many guys that um, either coming off injuries or are just older guys that you want to see, you know, get some game, you know, real game, actual tackling uh, physicality out there uh, before the season starts. Because like you said, I, I don't expect any of them to play uh, against the Rams. I wouldn't even be shocked if let's say they they name a starter at quarterback next week that that starter doesn't play against the Rams. It would not surprise me if, if they did that even. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that you'll see a few more guys out there that maybe didn't play this last week. Is there something in particular that we should be watching for uh, when they do take on the Seahawks? Is there something that, uh, you know, as fans who haven't had a chance to get out to training camp, who, who don't get a chance to see them as often, you, you get to watch them on TV. What should we be looking for from the Broncos as they, as they do prepare for the start of the season, uh, especially in game situations like, like they will have on uh, Saturday against the Seahawks? Well, I think first, if, if, if let's say the starters are playing, I think you have to watch Cortland Sutton because he's been he's had sort of a I don't know if up and down is the right terminology, but he hasn't been he hasn't looked like his Pro Bowl self at times at camp. And then there's other days that he does look like his Pro Bowl self at camp. And, you know, today was one of the days that uh, I thought he looked hesitant. Um, there's a couple plays that I mean, he dropped a pass uh, that was you know pretty open downfield. Then he had one that. Um, you know, lock through a, a beautiful ball to him, you know, about 50 yards downfield. And it, you know, most guys, I, I thought, I thought he was going to get under it and he just kind of slowed up and, and didn't catch it. And uh, the old 
Cortland Sutton, I think would have caught that ball. So, you know, I think he's a guy, if you're circling one guy and he's actually playing, I think it's Cortland Sutton. Let's see uh, if he looks like his old self and, and can make some plays. Um, other than that, I would just say depth and, you know, what guys, if you're really, if you're like a diehard fan and you want to know who's going to make the 53 man roster, you know, look who's out there to start the second quarter, right? Second and third quarters are, are big in terms of, uh, you know, who's going to come in for that second team defense is, is Justin Strenad getting time over Baron Browning is, uh, you know, Michael Ojemudia coming in instead of, uh, you know, Nate Harrison, who's had a great camp at, at corner, um, you know, things like that. And then, you know, tracking how many snap counts these guys have. And I, I, I'm not saying you should sit there and write down every single snap, but, you know, you know, paying attention to those sort of things, who's getting beat. Right. Because uh, if, uh, you know, like or Justin Ferris, if, if he was getting beat last week. Right. Maybe that's why he got cut. And so, you know, if, if you're a diehard fan, I'd say those sort of things, especially on defenses, is who's rotating in. When's Jonathan Cooper coming in? Uh, which side is he playing on? Is he playing alongside Malik Reed like he did last week? Is he playing alongside Andre Mintz? Is he Derek Tuska? Uh, Derek Tuska's a guy that really hasn't shown us a ton during camp. And, is, is you know, is he a guy that's going to get cut soon? Um, and, and that they were super high on a, a year ago. So I, I think those things, there's, there's a lot, right? <laughs> there's a lot to watch, but if I were to single some things out, it'd definitely be the depth and rotations on defense. And then I, I just want to see Cortland Sutton in game action. And I think a lot of people do, and because we, we just can't tell in practice if he's fully there because um, there's some days that he looks great. And there's other days like today that he just doesn't have it. And he's a guy that I think that if he's healthy, uh, this offense, again, no matter who's quarterback, is going to be just that much better. Um, I think also the running back situation is if you want to watch that rotation, who who's going to be that guy if, you know, Mike Boone is, is put on the IR and we all assume is still going to make the team anyways. Uh, you know, is it going to be Royce Freeman that gets that that third running back spot? Um, you know, Crockett, who's I thought had a good camp and is probably the underdog in that room. You know, they just brought in uh, Adrian Killens, who – you know, played for the Eagles. That dude is fast as hell. Just from watching him in one practice, he looks great. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they utilize a guy like that. But um, those are the things. And, and I could go on and on, uh, and I won't. You guys can tell me to shut up. But I, I think the offensive line is another position. I think Moody is a guy that could really fight for um, – I'm not saying he could start, but maybe by the end of the season he's a starter. Or next season he, he replaces somebody. So maybe he's a guy you watch. Quinn Miners as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of – there's a lot of different things to watch. So I just listed like everything. So um, I hope that wasn't too much. As it stands, let, let's end with this. Heading into the, the dress rehearsal in Seattle, where do you think this team finishes in terms of record, uh, playoff team? Uh, what do you think as we sit here on a Tuesday afternoon, where do you think the Broncos finish the 2021 regular season? That's a tough question. Um, you know, I've been saying nine and eight all off season. Um, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll say 10 and seven. And the reason I say that I think drew is going to be the starter. Like I've said a few times on here, at least that's who I would pick. And so if, if drew is the starter, I think they start the season three, and zero. um, and I think that you look at the rest of the schedule, obviously chiefs chiefs are tough, but I think they go into, and this is like long into the future. A lot of things can change from now, but let's, Let's just predict for a second. I think they go into that last game against the Chiefs, and obviously the Chiefs are going to be really good this year. Uh, and I would not be shocked if the Chiefs, you know, rest their starters and maybe the Broncos are playing to get into playoffs and uh, get that 10th win or 11th win, whatever it is. And so that's where I have them at. Um, I think that might be wishful thinking, 
Um, you know, things could go south very quickly. I think, I think we'll know right from the start, right? I think that if they can go out and beat the Giants, then I think they're going to win their next two games and they're going to be three and oh. And then I think they play the Ravens after that, maybe um, at home. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but um, that'll be a good test. But yeah, I, I would say that. And I've, I've, it's funny, I've, I've gone through the schedule in my head a, a million times who they're going to beat, who they're going to lose to. And I think it'll really come down to uh, those divisional games with the Chargers and Raiders. Like a, a team like the Raiders, I, the Broncos should beat the Raiders in my opinion, both games this year. Uh, I think they should, you know, I don't know what the charge, I think charges with a new head coach, obviously I think they have a great young roster um, with a great young quarterback, but I also look at the Chargers as a team that they, sh- they can beat. I, I don't know if they will, but I think they can beat the chargers twice. And if they can do that, let's say they beat the chargers and Raiders t- both times. Um, I mean, I think you're looking at a, you know, at least a 10 win season. George, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, we love following you on Twitter. Again, George Stoya uh, from uh, Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette, y- your choice, I suppose. Uh, great follow on Twitter. Check him out. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, and giving us just a little bit of insight into what's been going on in the uh, in training camp, preseason, all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Don't hold me to that win total. I'm sure it'll change <laughs> in, in, in a couple days uh, or after the Seattle game. I'll be like, I'll come back on and be like, hey, you know what? I think they're going to go seven and ten. So, uh, so hedge your bets if you're if you're betting the Broncos over under wins total. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at MileHighReport.com. And as always, go Broncos! It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.